When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? This is Turner from the podcast. Before we get going this week, we just have a couple things to promote. One, Kaplan and I will be doing a Lost in America pod live once again at Stand Up New York on March 14th, 8 p.m. The tickets are available at StandUpNewYork.com. We will have a link in the description of this episode. So a link to buy tickets. Get your tickets now. Come out. Last time, we had a blast for everyone who came out to that. We packed the place. This time, we're going to do it again. We have Des Bishop coming on the pod. Uh, The other two, we're going to have two more guests. And the other two guests, we will announce later. But it's going to be a blast. Cap and I will be there. I'm going to be doing some stand-up to start out the show, a little different from last time. And uh, it's going to kill. We're pumped. We're pumped to do it. So get that. Also, this Saturday night, I'm going to be in Philadelphia at Comedy Underdogs. I will also have a link to tickets in this show description. That's 7.30 p.m. right in the heart of Philadelphia at Letage, I believe it is called. So come out to that. That'll be fun. So Philadelphia this weekend, March 14th, Lost in America Pod Live. And also, Ants is an app. You can get it in the App Store, up up to five-minute audio recordings. Get it. It's a social media platform, so you can ins back and forth with your friends. A bunch of people are getting on ins now. A bunch of celebrities are getting on ins now. We'll talk about that more next week. But that's it. Now here's the podcast. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Lost in America, episode 73 Back in New York City, my name's Turner Sparks. My name is Michael Kaplan. I never left. You have been here the whole time. <laughs> I've been here we? waiting for you to come home for season three. Home to in studios. Yeah, we're back. Back in the studios where the magic happens. Back in in studios, Kaplan. It's good to be back. We got a lot to get to, but our guest today, yes, DC Benny, one of the fantastic comedians, one of my favorite comedians out there. DC Benny is going to come in here in a minute. DC Benny started. He is a, uh, I think he's Jewish. No. From Shout Washington, D.C., lives in New York. I'll give him a secret first, handshake. When he came to New York, he started comedy in the black circuit. They call it the Chitlin circuit, doing comedy. Chitlin? Yeah, like Chitlin. That sounds offensive for some reason. That's what it was called. That's oh, okay. the name of the circuit for comedy. So he's going to tell us all about that. All so right. he was lost in America, but also in America. He didn't have to go to another country right. to do it. Right, he was lost in comedy America. He found another culture right here in New York City, did comedy. He's going to be on in a minute. Before we get to that, Kaplan, I have a... 
I have a surprise for you. Oh, yeah? I, so I just went all around Asia. Yeah. All to these different countries. I Thailand, saw the best of the China, best. China, Vietnam, I could, what, Singapore. I got you something from some country. Do you want to guess first what I might have been? Did you bring me back some uh, green curry, chicken green curry? Better than that. Uh, Are you ready? I'm ready. Drum roll. Do we have a drum roll? Jimmer shirt. Oh, Shanghai wow, Sharks. Look at that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Jimmer, it's a Jimmer Fredette Shanghai Sharks jersey. Jimmer. Number 23 for MJ. Exactly. Now, here's the thing. I think that in, in true China fashion, this was sold in the stadium, like their official merch booth. Okay. But in true China fashion, I think it's bootleg because he's actually number 32. <laughs> but they, I don't even think they knew that because every- In the stadium, they're selling bootleg? They're selling, I don't think, it, I don't know if it's bootleg, but every jersey they sell is number 23, but there is no 23, he's 32, but they have pictures of him. It's clearly they're trying to sell his jersey. Is it like when they, when they, like they retired like Jackie Robinson's jersey or something and everyone in the stadium wears 42 that day? This is like, maybe there was a night when they were honoring Michael Jordan. Maybe Everyone was wearing 23? No, no, no. They, they think this is Jimmer's. So okay. Maybe, this yeah. is as close to a Jimmer jersey yeah. as you're going to get. I mean, kid, my, my dyslexic people or like my son, sometimes he writes things backwards. Like, yeah. So maybe they just mixed it up. It's, a, it's for him. Maybe this is the Chinese way. Three, two, no? This is it, yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah like Japanese write uh, vertical. Yeah. So. Maybe they're writing backwards. So anyway, I went to the game. I went to a Shanghai Sharks yeah. game with uh, Andy Curtin went with me, Jorge Castellano, I believe you pronounce his last name. Shout out to them. And uh, Kyle Kinane, who's a comedian in L.A., he was touring through. So the four of us sounds, went. Sounds like future guests. And Jimmer. And how many uh, points did Jimmer go for? I think he scored 35 ah, or something. Boo. I know. He, didn't, he must have been out drinking the night before. Drinking, well, drinking I think milk. It was, it was their last game of the regular season, and they were already out of the playoffs. Uh, so they he were tanking. Kind of, they were tanking <laughs> for a draft pick. All right. So that's good. Did you throw any beer on the court or do anything you can't do in, like, America? I didn't do anything. I wasn't able to drink, but they were. Oh, right. I could tell you. I can report back. Beers were. People have been asking this. I think beers were like a dollar. Okay. Maybe two dollars. So really cheap. Tickets were like ten bucks. Uh, no, no, no. Tickets were eighteen dollars. You didn't buy them from a scalper, though. You got them. No, from I got them delivery. Real company. Eighteen buck tickets. Oh. But then, yeah, uh, the uh, beers were only like a dollar. Were there any other random American players that we would have heard of in this game? No, who they did have some people on each team, but I, I couldn't figure out who they were. It's weird. A lot of these guys who go to college in America, they'll go to like Montana State. They won't even attempt to. It's not NBA washouts. It's like guys who never went to the NBA. Right. A yeah. lot of it's they just that. play college ball and then you go. They play college ball. They go shape. straight to China, and then they become a lot like, of Syracuse guys do that all around the world. That's our that's our mo. We don't make the NBA. Yeah, that's it. And then they become a legitimate player in that league. So they're not brought over on a big contract like this big name. Right. They just work their way up through the yeah. league, and then they're just some journeyman power forward in the Chinese league. You know? Right. Speaking speaking of journeyman power forwards, uh, you mentioned it just now. How's your back? Because a lot of listeners were concerned about it last week. Well, Weber, he has redeemed himself. Weber got me into his doctor. He says, best doctor in the city. Oh, yeah. That's a so, very, very Alt-Weber thing to say is to say my doctor's the best. Number one best. He's in Manhattan. Probably doesn't take your insurance. but He doesn't take my insurance. No, that's what I found out about America. The, it's the good doctors. Gary Sparks told me this. You have to get insurance, but then good doctors don't take anyone's yeah, insurance. exactly. Why? I, it makes no sense. But I guess That's look, a whole other episode. That's but, the, but, but I, I heard you're not allowed to drink. That, that's what I... I'm not allowed to drink at the moment. We'll talk about it more later. Cap, Hello Chinese. Yes. That is, is our new sponsor. Hello Chinese is an app. You can go to hellochinese.cc. It is a Chinese language learning app. It is the number one Mandarin Chinese learning app on iTunes and on Google Play and in the world. In the world. And it would be a promo code, right? 
And that's what it is. Yeah. So this is it's it's cool about it. You've been checking it out. I yeah, I went on it last night. I downloaded it yesterday. Yeah, and I immediately started with uh, Teddy, uh, my uh, five year old. Yeah, because it's fun for kids. Right? It's fun for it's interactive and it's it's a really easy to use app. Like you, there's you start off with like syllables. Apparently, Chinese got your own syllables. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, te- you press the button, and it shows you you have to say it the right way, and it hears you. And if it says it the right way, it, it gives you like a little check mark. It's very gratifying. Stars come up and everything. Teddy is obsessed with it. It's basically like a video game. Yeah, it was his son. Instead of Sonic the Hedgehog last night, he played this out. I'll put some videos online. He played it for like an hour. He speaks better Chinese than uh, most of our diplomats probably know. I, I saw the video. It's hilarious. <laughs> so that's what it has. The, in, within the app, they make it a ton of fun to learn Chinese. It has these games, videos, audio, voice recognition, Handwriting based on it, it teaches you how to handwrite within the app. It's it's pretty amazing and it's fun. Yeah. I've been doing it. I've been doing it the last couple so weeks. So start now, listeners, because I'm going to start doing it. Teddy's going to start doing it, and let's see who can learn quicker. Yeah, and I think we're going to have a competition between you and Teddy Cap. Yeah, I don't. I mean, and I, I talked. I know to the how brains ups. work with young kids. I bet I'm going to lose that one. <laughs> I talked to the higher ups over at, uh, at at Hello Chinese. They might want to get involved. They might want to double sponsor the competition. Ooh. So we'll see. But here's what you do. The best part of this whole thing. If you sign up, use the promo code LOST, L-O-S-T, Lost in America, only for our listeners, you get 15% off the premium app and premium plus accounts. Premium account and premium plus accounts. So the basic account is free. Anyone can get it. Just get the basic account now. Just get it. See if you like it. If you like it, put in L-O-S-T, you get uh, 15% off the premium, and we get some of that money. And what does the premium get you? It gets you all the games that you've been playing, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a premium member. So, yeah, you got. we're both premium. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know what the little people are doing. <laughs> They're probably speaking Korean on the, on the regular. Right. No, <laughs> so, you can go to lostinamericapod.com in the upper right-hand corner where we used to have the Amazon banner. Yeah. Now, it's our Hello Chinese banner. You'll see it. You won't miss it. So, get that. Just, even if it's just because you like the pod and yeah. you're like, hey, I want to you know, find out. And then if you page down the screen, right, if you, there's going to say shop now. For the Amazon banner, for those who exactly. are looking for that. Exactly. The Amazon banner is still there. We're still making money from Amazon, even though <laughs> we might have to drop them because of this NRA thing, but we're still with them for now. Yeah. We're still with them for now because we we're very told, all, We're all middle. We don't know if we want to Well, we've it. also been told that they're going to be dis, disbanding themselves from the NRA. You can buy guns on Amazon? What does that even mean? I don't even know. They have Amazon on Amazon Prime. They have NRA TV or something like that. Oh, okay. But that's neither here nor there. So I'm not supposed to tell any listeners who are concerned about gun legislation to buy their guns on Amazon so that we get some money off that? <laughs> so we'll then, no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'll say it. All right. That's it. Amazon's still there. It's on the page. Go to our, if you want to support us, um, go to lostinamericapod.com. You're going to shop on Amazon. Click on the Amazon banner. It's about halfway down the page. Yeah. That'll take you back to Amazon. Do your regular shopping. And, and speaking of supporting us, I think we got to get to Lost in America because there could be. There's, there, I don't want uh, any pity confused with websites with lost the word Lost in America. This is ridiculous, we Kaplan. Got, let, let's get we to got, Lost. We got to clear this up now because we don't want other people's listeners getting this discount. Play the music. <laughs> We're back, Kaplan. We're both lost in America this week. Continuing storyline. This is, yes. We're still lost. Yeah, this is the part two of of, these people, these lost, these fake lost in America podcasts. These people. What do they they think they're doing? 
We but, started it. We've done this. Is our seventy third episode. They've done three episodes last time I checked. They're still using our name. We have. We got to get. We here. We try to do this on our own. It's obviously not possible. We got. I think we got to bring in the big dogs. Wait, it's time. It's time to make the call. Do we have the blue phone? I think the we special have, phone. We have blue shirt Esquire, our lawyer, lawyer to the pod, most famous lawyer in podcasting History. on the line. Blue, how you doing? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. <laughs> you you were just telling us off air you're eating a salad. As are your lunch break. Yeah, I, I, well, I was trying to eat my salad, but they forgot my Russian dressing with my chef salad. So Blue's going full <laughs> pro-Trump here with the Bl- Russian, even the uh, Russian dressing. Bl- Blue is a, my, my grandfather. He's, he's like an old <laughs> Jewish man. The deli needs his Russian dressing. First a little off, ketchup, a little mayo. It's first, magical. First off, I don't like that we're, we're during the lunch break. When we hire Blue, I think we need full attention. We don't need some Russian dressing salad. Yeah, in the I want to hear you throw that salad in the trash can. This, this is a working lunch. Right. <laughs> working. Man's always working. Nice. We'll take it. So, Blue, you know the story. All right, story. so what do you want? Yeah, you know the story. Here's the story <laughs> that we have, we've had this podcast. You've been on it twice at minimum. Uh, 73 weeks we've had this. Yeah. Lost in America on iTunes. All of a sudden, these other people come along out of Pittsburgh, I believe, and they name theirs Lost in America. What can we do about it? We got We need. We called you in so we could um, lawsuit. We need some recourse. Yeah. What well, can we do? Well, good, good job by you guys making a phone call because that's what I'm here to help you with. <laughs> I feel like he's stopped. This is. Is this on the clock? Because yeah. I don't need the pleasantries. That just cost me ten dollars. <laughs> so, here's the problem. Oh, no. Do you guys recall when we had our first phone conversation? Uh, you mean when you came into the studio? No, before you even decided to create the podcast. Oh yeah, when there we was co- a series of emails that we exchanged. I don't think the I was first on thing those. I, I said to you guys safer. is, "Oh, that's a good idea. Why don't you guys trademark that?" Mm. Do you guys do that? Is your email to us saying it? Does that count as trademark? Can we make that the trademark? Uh, no, but actually what that can do is sort of uh, give some credence to our common law trademark. So let, Just like marriage, me... common law is the way to go. <laughs> Wait, what's this? So uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a very quick overview and not bore the listeners, but here's the bottom line. So there are two, there are two things you could have done to protect yourselves, neither of which you really did, but <laughs> <laughs> had you listened to me, uh, you would have been able to more easily prove uh, your priority of use, which is really what's key here. So the first thing you could have done was you could have trademarked the Lost in America podcast uh, with the U.S. Patent Trademark Office. Very, very simple process, but of course you guys didn't do that. <laughs> so, right. now, so now what we need to do is we'd end up having uh, to protect what would be our common law trademark. Uh, basically, you get a trademark when you use a brand in commerce, right? Yeah. That's that's commerce. sort of what you're doing, even though you guys actually don't make any money right. doing this. We make, you know, no, we make a, a dollar or two here or there. Sponsor. We're, we're making big bank here. Listen, we're, it's a step-by-step. We would be making more money if not for these people. Yeah, don't come after us, Blue. <laughs> yep. They're draining our resources. Well... So basically what you need to do is, you know, you don't want somebody coming into the marketplace with your same name, which, oh, guess what? Guess, guess what happened? Exactly. <laughs> Came into the market. So the first thing we need to really look at is, is there a likelihood of confusion? So how would you describe your podcast? Well, wait, Cap, that's a good question, because Kaplan, tell your story about how we even heard of these people. 
Well, because I we heard of them because I told somebody of the, about the podcast, a, a friend of mine who didn't know I had a podcast, and she downloaded it and was asking when I was going to be on the air. On she listened po- to it. She listened to it. Now I she so, listened to thirty minutes of it, and yeah. Kaplan was never on, and then she called but Kaplan. To, but their podcast, I went back and listened. I don't know if you have. No, I, I went. Don't give them, I, I don't give them the place. Their podcast is very serious. They they they're about people who are really lost in America, much like maybe not as lost as Turner, but like homeless people. No one's as lost as me. I don't yeah, care. I mean, there's, there's people are, yeah. I, I would. Wait, so what does that mean, Kevin? You're on their so, side? No, I'm saying well, they stole on. your idea. They're saying people who are lost in America. Yeah, they stole well, our idea. Well, I, th- I think that while their people are probably more likely lost in America, I think your people are more likely confused in America. Uh-oh. Oh, That's you said good. we're not changing the name <laughs> to Confused in America, Blue. <laughs> This is the worst law advice I've ever received. Even counting the last time you gave it. Wait, I have a question. What happens? How do we not know they already cop? What if they already trademarked the name? They were screwed. (laughs) How do we find out? Well, well, one of the things you could do is do a search. Did you guys do that when you first decided to use the name Lost in America? I've been in Asia for six weeks. They don't have Google. (laughs) That's that's my excuse. This pod's 73 weeks old. How how long has the podcast been around? 73 uh, weeks. But it feels less. It feels like it's gone quick. Yeah. And how long was their podcast around? Their podcast three only, weeks? only did three episodes, so they're they're new competitors. Oh, that's a good fact for you guys. Yeah. So they've been around three weeks. Yeah, so So that's why we wanted to act quick. So what do we do? Do we is there a website we can look this up? Can one of our listeners yeah. do that for us? Because we're kinda lazy. Get Bowie. Yeah, you, you yes, you well, I'm certainly not doing it because you guys <laughs> don't pay me. Bowie, are you listening? <laughs> so what do we do? You could go on the U.S. Patent Trademark Office website, uh, and you can check uh, whether they have a trademark or not. Um, And then you can always challenge their trademark. But the first thing, I think what we really need to do is, well, we have a couple of courses of action we could take here. First is we could either send a cease and desist letter telling them (laughs) to get get off our name. Yes. Um, And, you know, we could decide if we want to basically – be nice about it, or uh, if we actually want to start threatening them. Yeah. Is it like a divorce thing where I can like we surprise them with it when they're not looking? Oh, like, it's a subpoena! We, we show up in Pittsburgh and just <laughs> drop it on their they're on the streets, interview a homeless person, and cease and yeah. desist. And can it be signed by Blue Shirt Esquire? I, absolutely, I'm in. Yes. Nice. All right. All right. So that's step one: is we send them a cease and desist. That's just to tell them, hey. It's bullying a little right. bit, right? So, yeah, well, exactly. And that's one of our options. You know, that's that's really the Trump route if we want to go that way. Well, you're eating other- Russian salad, so <laughs> we're halfway there. Is there, an, yeah. is there a route where we could put a horse, a dead horse in their bed or anything? <laughs> well, Send a message? Well, what you could do is you could also file a trademark infringement claim in federal court. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> go straight to the feds. <laughs> we should start with yeah. a letter probably, right? Give them a chance to... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really dropping a bomb on them right there. <laughs> These people are going about trying to interview homeless people. <laughs> this is just like this is just like two two people in their like living room doing a podcast on their couch, and all of a sudden they get a federal uh, law. I don't know. Well, you know what? The podcasting game is not all fun and games. You gotta, it's not. You got to be ready for the consequences of reactions. They should do yeah, a and what, what, actually, what we could do is if we beat them to the courthouse, we could file it here in New York and make those homeless-loving Pittsburghers come, <laughs> come to, here. Home court come advantage. to New York. That's a good idea. Yeah, we don't, do we don't not want to be in a Pitt, Pennsylvania court. I've got, <laughs> nah, absolutely. I've, not got a, I've got a reputation in that state, my home state. <laughs> nah. Won't help us. So, 
Or what we could do, uh, we could also seek a declaratory judgment from the court, and you know, where a court would declare that it's your copyright. I mean, it's your trademark. All right. So we could do that. So what do you could advise? File a complaint. Or what we could also do is it's it's some double barrel action is we would send them a cease and desist letter with a copy of the complaint that we're going to file. Oh, that's a good idea. I like that one. Right. And yeah. also, Blue, what about this idea? What about that? We have thousands of people listening to this conversation right now. We can get our fans, our listeners, our real Americans, our fellow Americans, our fellow Americans. just to to. Uh, harass them on the internet until they give it up. The troll army. The troll army. Yeah. But that could be that could backfire. No. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, no. And don't no. don't you also have listeners in Asia? We have listeners all over the world. Yeah. So why don't you have your listeners abroad uh, do some hacking stuff too? <laughs> the lawyers. Now, blue. The lawyers advocating yeah. hacking. I like it. All no, right. Cap- we have a lot of bots, listeners. <laughs> I happen to know for a fact. <laughs> we have a lot of bots. Cap Blue. Here's the worst the thing. Bot army. If we get into a, a war with them, a podcast war. We've been trying to get into war, podcast war since day one. We tried to do it with Sorry, I've been so busy. Yeah. But they won't take the bait. Well, I went onto their podcast and I forgot to challenge them to a duel while on air. So now I we like- do it with these assholes, and then it's good for everybody. The yeah. worst that happens is they come back at us, but all that's advertising right. for us. Just also, like- it's like for for early. You want to start wars. I've learned from history. You want to start wars with countries you can win. You you can defeat exactly. I, I'm, this is not a big threat. I don't These think. These two chumps is- <laughs> in their on their couch in their living room. <laughs> I don't think they. I don't think they have the ammunition. Well, he, here's the only problem though. You might you might lose the moral high ground because basically <laughs> your your podcast is based on hijinks. They're based whoa. on humanity. Well, I don't. Well, first of all, moral high ground is not why we hired you, Blue. You never at, like. This is why. This yeah. is your specialty. Is not the moral high ground. Yeah, are correct. You, are you the Roy Cohn of this I podcast? I did advise you Cohen. to go out and get people to hack them. Yes, you did. <laughs> I, I get it. Just for the record, you have to say moral high ground stuff. But I think we know what we want to do. I think we send a cease and desist. Yeah, I like the double barrel idea that Blue had. I, yeah, I was like the way even Trump was at the USFL and went after the NFL. <laughs> I want to yeah. sue them for like a billion dollars, and even if we only yeah. get eroded like a dollar, I want a victory. Yeah, and you know, actually, if we really want to get fancy, we yes. could go go in and file a temporary restraining order, <laughs> stopping them from doing their podcast. Whoa! Oh. So they couldn't, and they couldn't come within and- five hundred yards of the end studios. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if they do their podcast, then we can seek to have them held in contempt. We can. <laughs> What happens if they start ensing? We put them in prison. <laughs> yeah, we should put them in the settlement. They have to ense all their profiles of false people. <laughs> that's, that's part of the punishment. Okay. Uh, all right, let's start with cease and desist. Let's just start with that. How about that, guys? All right, cease and desist. Blue, is that what you think? Yeah, I mean, hey, it's your guy's dime, so. But we're starting there. Uh, put your best person over at the firm on, on this. Exactly. By the way, do you want to plug the firm? This is your chance right now. Because <laughs> you guys are doing, doing great work. <laughs> I'm going to guess he no, doesn't. No, no, actually, I don't. <laughs> I don't want any association with you. It's just the firm, like the movie. <laughs> okay. We'll start with the Four season. lawyers. We will start with the season as is, and then we'll update the listeners on what happens next. Blue, we might need you back in a couple weeks, depending upon what these what what uh, depending on the case goes. What chess play these people make? Oh yeah, that's well, yeah. I mean, we should. You know, this sort of goes into what we talked about on the first time I appeared on the podcast when I told you morons to <laughs> a a trademark the podcast, b start putting together sponsorship agreements, c 
get releases from the people who appear on your podcast, and D, have a contract between the two of you. <laughs> we haven't done any of that. We do have a yeah, new sponsor. Co- correct. We have a new sponsor, yes. Did you tell us to do that? Who, who's your new sponsor? We have Hello Chinese. Hello Chinese. We have Ents. Hello Chinese is an app. We just talked about it, so we're not going to talk about it again. But so, I mean, I, I, you know, my next advice would just be: I think the two of you need an agreement. All right, done. We can do that. We'll start there. Blue, you represent me. No, we're not just <laughs> starting with our agreement. No, I get blue. But they, okay, we'll we'll do the um, we'll uh, get we'll send the letter, cease and desist letter, and then we also need to look up if they've already trademarked it, and then we need to figure out a way to trademark it, right? Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Okay. And then I'm gonna, you know what? We're also gonna do to save a few bucks. I'm gonna go back and listen to the episodes Blue's been on, as the listener should. Oh, so I can make some notes of all the great legal advice you've already given us. So, so we don't have to get, pay him again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, now we're thinking. All right, thank you, Blue Shirt. No problem. We will talk right. to you soon. Good Blue, luck, gentlemen. Blue I'm, Shirt Esquire. I'm gonna go and, and consider Thousand Island dressing. It's also good. I agree. <laughs> it's mayonnaise right. and ketchup. It's a little relish. Add a little relish to that. All right, take it easy. <laughs> back with our guest dc benny hey guys what's happening welcome to the show thank you for having me on the show thanks for doing it uh <laughs> we were just talking about how schubert pod, pod, our podcast jimmy schubert. Know, yeah. jimmy schubert is how i know you yeah bro <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah he introduced us and uh he had told me about the uh the uh asia tour you guys, and yeah, you did Last Comic Standing. We did Last Comic Standing together. We were finalists together. He kept talking about that tour. And uh, I was like, dude, you got you to gotta get me down with these guys. So, you know, <laughs> he's like, bro, I, I sent an email. <laughs> bro, here's what you're going to do. I could, go to, I could go to Des Moines uh, for the ninth time, or I could go to China and have a life experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, so that was great, man. I, I loved that tour, and that's how we know each other. And I heard all, you know, all the, all the uh, Mr. Softy stories and everything. You got it all. We did. Yeah. That was when Mr. Softy still existed. Chuck yeah. was in its prime then, right? Before yeah. it got taken down by the Chinese government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before, so then I started like reading. I think you put out. You wrote. You wrote, you do writing as well as stand up. Yes. And you yes. wrote a piece. I don't know, maybe a year or two, a couple years ago. Yeah. I read it recently about. Your start in comedy, which is unlike anyone I've known, <laughs> starting in comedy. And I go the same with Kaplan. Is normally we have people on and they talk about their experience like, oh, I lived in Germany for a year or I lived in wherever, Russia, yeah. wh- wherever it might be. But it's a different culture in a different country. I feel like you had a cultural experience in America with the way you started comedy. Probably. <laughs> you could probably say that. You know? <laughs> so how'd you get going? I mean... The basic, uh, I guess, the, basically, I started, uh, you know, when I really started trying to do stand up, it was, it was, I was a white comic. I'm still a white comic, but for, uh, you know, for predominantly black audiences. So that was, you know, there was a, a niche there to be filled. And I had, I kind of started like that and messed around like that. And then I moved to New York and I couldn't get on stage anywhere. So uh, a friend of mine told me about this uh, uptown comedy club in Harlem and there were no white acts working there, you know? So he's like, if you go up there, you'll get stage time just being a novelty 
if you're at all funny, but just, <laughs> you know, you'll get on stage. And that's all I wanted was stage time. This place was packed every weekend. Every weekend they'd have four shows and they'd generally be sold out. Uh, and I became like, you know, the house honky at that uh, <laughs> at that club. <laughs> and, and that sort of, you know, built from there. But so, like, how did you, when you started, you started in Washington, D.C. Yes. And what? Is it because only all the clubs were just predominantly black people came out to the clubs? No, I mean there was different. There were different. Uh, there were different places. It was like you know, there's like a, a mainstream circuit, and then what was called the Chitlin circuit, which is you know, it was like the, the you know the black circuit really. And I would go and do both. You know, I'd go be, for stage time. I'm like you know, comedy's comedy. People are people. Yeah, I'd have to switch up the material a little bit, but I would do. Uh, I would do, you know, both sets of, of rooms. And then, you know, when I got to New York again, I couldn't get on in any of the mainstream places, but the, the black clubs welcomed me. So and it's just I, cause you know, no one else was going up there. No one else was going up to it. No one was really going up there. They had a TV show at the time, uh, that was sort of, they were the original kind of Def Jam. And then I guess somehow Russell Simmons, and uh, uh, he actually turned it into a much bigger show, Def Jam. But they had this thing, the Uptown Comedy Club, which was like, you know, you'd have, you would have black comics. and they'd, Everybody would do a set. And at the end, they would do like a snap off, like, you know, like uh, like your mother jokes. Uh, really? And it was like, a, yeah, it was a big thing. You know, people would come. Tracy Morgan was there. Uh, this was in the days he had this little beanie propeller hat and <laughs> he used to wear it on stage. He used to wear that hat on stage. It was his trademark. And then, uh, actually one night when I was there, uh, these cops came in and, and rousted everybody, um, just for no reason. It was like, you know, there was some gunfire in the neighborhood, but there was always gunfire in the neighborhood. Yeah. So they just came in and they... Was everyone and, arrested but you? Or? No, I, we ever, no one was arrested. Just everybody was like thrown up against the wall. I got thrown up against the wall. Everybody did. It's like frisked and this and that. And they, you know, they treated you like shit. And um, after they left, you know, Tracy was like, man, you know, this motherfucking crackers, man. This, you know, I can't believe. It. And he's like, that's it. That's it. And then he, uh, he went up on stage and he took off the beanie hat and he threw it in the audience. The propeller hat it was like, it was like. He was so angry about that. I don't. They, he felt like you know. It was like when they in the Vietnam War they threw their Purple Hearts. Right. Uh, the soldiers like coming home, the protesting. <laughs> it was the <laughs> end of an era. Yeah. It was the end of an it's era because of these sign. cops. Yes. Yeah, you know. It's a symbolic gesture that Tracy was he. What type of comic was he before when he had the propeller hat? He was uh, <laughs> propeller hat. Propeller hat. He was just very very physical. That was his thing. He was very physical, and he would just go on and do these physical bits like like. He had this. Uh, it's it's so hard to explain. Like you can, you couldn't reiterate the writing of them. Yeah. But physically, I mean, they were just. You know, he would kill. Yeah. With these bits, you know, he'd be do do the white lady in a porno movie, like, <laughs> you know, and then he'd do like, and he pick someone in the audience. There'd always be when people would come in, you'd always see, you know, who he was going to pick on, and they would actually seat them. <laughs> In the front, so you know, there would eyeline. Yeah, there was yeah. always like one guy. He'd always find a handsome, light-skinned guy, and then he'd get up on stage and he'd be like, "Pretty motherfucker, pretty motherfucker, how <laughs> to bust your shit? How to bust you?" And he put his fist in the guy's face, and it would get very, very <laughs> tense. You know, it'd get very, very tense. But people waited, waited for 
him to do that. Every week he would do it. You know, it'd be a different guy. He'd be <laughs> like, like, oh, you're a regular. Yeah. Kind of compliment, though. You know, like, I got picked. I'm the good-looking guy here. Right. <laughs> right. So he had that. He would do this bit where he, uh, he like, uh, like you know, in a boxing match when a guy gets hit and knocked, knocked out, but he falls down and he does convulsions. He, like, he has convulsions. <laughs> He'd do a bit about He'd that. He'd do this convulsions bit, <laughs> and somebody had him. I remember I was, somebody would tell me that he would go out to, like, uh, basketball games, and then they would just – they'd send Tracy out, like, in the middle of a game on the court and just to do the convulsion thing. Like, <laughs> and people thought it was real, and they call an ambulance. It would just disrupt everything or whatever. But that was, that was kind of, you know, what uh, stuff that he would do. But it would just kill. The guy would annihilate, you know. And, yeah. Uh, you know. And so then what were you doing – like, were you going big? Like, because I've seen you, I've seen you recently. I only know you in the past couple of years, but you're not, uh, you're pretty much a, a storyteller, joke teller. Yeah, I brought the you're... concentrate back then. There was no stories. It was, <laughs> I just did characters. I was super animated because there was no room for fat. That's you know what I yeah. mean? It was no room for fat. So you couldn't it was just... think out the bit in the middle of the bit. No, I just did, I did very. I just did character after character after character and then sort of maybe like many, many stories. But the thing was is I had to go prove myself every single time. There were dudes that came to heckle me every single week, <laughs> every single week. Like there were dudes that came to see Tracy every single week, but there was guys that came to heckle me. So I, you know, I learned uh, how to uh, uh, dispatch with hecklers. That was like my boot camp. That was my <laughs> Paris Island, you know. Uh, and were you killing immediately? I mean, I, I kind of had to, you know, I kind of, I went there on an amateur, they had a section of the show where they would audition people called the New Jack section and you would wait and, uh, uh, then the host, there was this guy, Monteria Ivy, uh, and he would, uh, he would, he'd be like, okay, let's get these New Jack guys a shot. And if they suck, you boo them off. And th that was like a mini Apollo. So, uh, you know. Uh, that's, that's where I, I, any other white guys there or is it like you were in competition against there was her? one, like, there was one, one or, uh, this guy, AG white who, but who, but I was, that was my sort of realm. He right. would drop that's in, but that was my territory. Really? He would drop in once in a while, but he, he worked on that circuit. Like he worked right. on the Chitlin circuit solely and still does. Um, uh, but I, that was the uptown was sort of you my, you guys didn't have to face off in the, your mom battles. We'll you know, yeah, you we got into a beef once about like some he just some joke that was similar. You know, I don't. It's so ridiculous. It's like the two white guys being like, "Oh shit, the two white guys oh, are getting yeah, into it." Nuts, yeah. <laughs> but it was I don't know. It was, uh, uh, but you just I, I don't know. I just had to be really uh, animated, and and I, I'm not the way I am now. You know, I'm very kind of low key now. But yeah. then I was very high energy, um, and. Uh, you know, I had to be that way. I was younger too. I was like twenty, I don't know, twenty six, twenty seven. So that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Did you like? Did it stretch beyond? First of all, did it stretch beyond that club that you oh, were yeah. doing it? Oh yeah. You yeah. went out. Then you went out, and you were yeah. on this. So thing. there's. So that was the Uptown Comedy Club. Then there was this. There were rooms. There were comedy rooms because there were no real black comedy clubs. And so there were just these one-nighter rooms that you would go to, and you'd actually make money. That was the difference between really? those rooms and, and like, you know, you go to these rooms in the city, you're not going to – you might get a drink ticket. You know what I mean? The, the ones I'm – yeah, that's about if it. If that. Yeah. If that. But it, if you do – if you did these shows 
uh, there was a place called Sheila's that this guy Cortez hosted that was in in uh, on DeKalb Avenue in Brooklyn. It was it was rough. It was man, the place was rough. It was always closed down. So someone would get shot, and they close it down for a week, or two, <laughs> and they'd open it up again. There was Manhattan proper in Queens, which I never understood. I bombed, why. I've bombed, but I've never been shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pressure, really. Tomatoes is one thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's high pressure comedy. I'm gonna, we got to do a road trip, by the way. I was gonna say I've never been booed. Oh my God! You've I've never had, been booed, dude. I oh. think I've had silence, but I've never been. I, oh. I mean, I've had like ooh. It's traumatic. Oh. No, no, that's not booed. That's Be- not booed. Being booed is when the whole place is just booing you. <laughs> <laughs> just boo- and you have to walk by them to leave afterwards. I'm. Mean, I've been booed where I walked off into the bathroom, just kind of hid there, and then and then I was like, man, I gotta I gotta cross. <laughs> Window you can climb out of or something. Oh. Wait, oh, why do they boo? Because the joke sucks, or because you say something that's offensive? It what? it doesn't even necessarily. Have to be that. It's just people will, you know. It. The thing is, is sometimes you know how you'll you'll do different sets in one night, and you'll do yeah. or you'll do the same set in one night at different places. And one place it'll kill, and the other place it'll be like nothing. Yeah, like ten minutes. Later. But you're like, it's the same shit I just did earlier. Yeah, I understand. It's it's like one of those inexplicable things where if just people don't like you, if you start. Doing jokes and then someone you hear the mumbling first, like oh man, I don't even know about that. And then you're, and so then you know your mouth starts getting dry. You know you're like mm. yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, oh man, I don't know. Your mouth sounds kind of dry. You know. And then you know. The, <laughs> hey, no, <laughs> yeah. Inner monologue. And then you it? grab a glass. Grabbing a glass of water in uh, silence is the worst. Yeah. When, uh, yeah, uh, when, yeah. When when people whenever the audience is cheering and you go for the water, it almost feels like it's a prop. It's like part of the. The yeah. rhythm of the bit, yeah. But well, when you silence. do it in silence, yeah, then it's like, oh yeah, it's like the little Marco Rubio. Yeah, it's, like yeah. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, a move. that is it. That is it. But yeah, being booed is not fun. It, it will make you strong, though. That's what I was gonna strong. say. Yeah, it will make you strong. Because in silence, who gives a shit when you go downtown and like well, silence? You still have that warm bath and a razor blade feeling at the end of the night. But you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean. The being booed is just it shakes you to the core. <laughs> you know, you've been vocally rejected, and your comedy is vocal. Locally rejected. So, uh, yeah, that's that. That is. There should be more. Like, <laughs> we can boo athletes all the time, yeah. right? But you can't yeah. boo. Comedians. But the athletes you're booing usually getting big contracts, and that's probably why you're booing them. Yeah, but there's comedians it's hard to boo a, a comedian. Too. Yeah, comedians make a lot. Yeah, but if you're going to the to the room and booing. Yeah, it hasn't happened in a while, so maybe I'm due for one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't due know. for a boo. <laughs> you're not working hard enough. <laughs> That's your goal. I want to hear it when your first big. Boo. I want to get booed. American yeah, boo. Yeah, come yeah. on, come on, fans, come out and boo. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be at the but Philadelphia. Great, might boo you. There were great rooms, man. There were these great rooms. It was the Manhattan proper. There was Sheila's. There was a place called Indigo Blue. There was the Peppermint Lounge in Jersey. These also like they could be strip clubs too. The, uh, Peppermint Lounge. <laughs> uh, they had Sheila's. Sheila's wasn't no, but there were some that were strip. There was a place Australian called club. Where the Worlds Collide. Then that was that <laughs> was a strip, strip club. club. Yeah, yeah, that had, international uh, strip club. Yeah, it's multicultural. Plus size. Yeah, actually, Dante. I don't know if you know Dante Nero. I know who he is. I don't okay. know. Him. So he would do a comedy night there, and he was at the time a male stripper called Mandingo and he would do comedy. <laughs> wow. And he was uh he was a pimp. So the thing was him to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a, he, had, he had a crazy trifecta of jobs like comedian, pimp, and male stripper named Mandingo. I bet he made the least amount of money in <laughs> not pimp comedy. <laughs> right. The comedy is yeah, the hardest. Yeah. But he had the yeah, he had the and and then I think one of the fringe benefits at where the world's collide was, you know, if you were a comedian uh, you had access because he was a pimp 
to the girls oh. that he was, you know. Oh. So there was yeah. that vertical integration. That's better, yeah. than vertical a drink, <laughs> better than a drink ticket, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> like that lantern. You better be hooking me up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting one drink ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's funny because Dante has a podcast, and I'll do it, and he'll be talking about this shit like the days of him pimping and the, and the, you know and, and 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 you know like the stripping and all that. And it's the podcast is in it's in his mom's house and his grand. <laughs> Mother, his mother walk by. He's like, everything's okay. And he's like, yeah, mom, everything's good. <laughs> Hilarious, man. Hilarious. But so, it was a good, a good scene. And what were like the? Uh, I feel like every scene has different rules. I don't know if rules, but just like guidelines. Like when I was starting in Asia, yeah, everyone was pretty relatively dressed up when you performed. Meaning, like, usually, rarely would you ever see some guy go on a t-shirt. Uh-huh. Almost never, never in shorts ever. Shorts. And then when I came back here, it was more of like anything goes. Yeah. I was a little surprised. No, it's, well, you know. People the, wore dress shoes a lot in Asia. But what was it like in the, in the uh, uptown, the black circuit? People got, no, people dressed up, but not in that way. It was like expensive sports, sports clothes, you know, sport, like tennis shoes that were expensive. Where you, you oh, put I your nice that. shit on, generally, for those shows. Like, that was more of a white guy thing, I found, to kind of. To slum a little bit, very much a white guy thing. That's yeah. what I found. Yeah. I, I agree. And uh, uh, right, because we want to look like the struggling comedian look or something. Yeah, what do you? Well, you just feel. I don't know. For me, I feel comfortable. Like I've tried the dressing up on stage, but it does not work for me because it gives. For me, it feels like there's one more separation between. One more reason why someone's not gonna like me. I just want to blend in. I don't want to stand out. Oh. So uh, I want to just blend it. But some so guys, it really like works it. for. I'm the opposite. Yeah, you yeah. Should, you I can't. I don't want to look like the audience because then I think they they think they have like they can just be like, oh, this guy sucks. Right. You want? It's like I everything every every inch of help I can get. I need that well, they don't think they can overpower me mentally. For me, fashion look we've talked about <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I need a collared shirt on. College just like be like, listen, at least he dressed up a little bit for this. You should uh, consider shoes. switching to this Jimmer jersey. That'd get one good. for yourself because <laughs> I think that would really define you. Jimmer Fredette is the guy in the basketball jersey. <laughs> no, I had one of my worst booze when I was dressed up because I was I sold suits during the day and this was in it was my first boo. And it was, uh, and it was this club. Uh, oh, he always remember the first, the Comedy Connection in Greenbelt, Maryland. And I had on my fucking pleated '80s pants and my crocodile shoes and my tie and everything. And I went up there and just ate it. And you know, and I heard, but I heard the mumbling first. Pretty, oh yeah, you come on, oh, yeah. and then uh, <laughs> yeah. got them crocodile. You got more pleats than you got joke. You know, and, then, and it was get a water. Get a water. Yeah, it was terrible. So I, I I don't know. For me, I like to, I definitely like to feel comfortable and blend. I mean, if I have to do a TV show or something, I'll put on a jacket or, you know, whatever. But I just like to blend in. I don't want any. Uh, and for some guys, it really works to dress up, you know, because I remember there was this guy, Louis Schaefer, and he always wore a blue blazer. That was his uniform. And I was like, dude, why do you always wear a blue blazer? And he's like, because... It gives you a position of authority. People yeah. people listen to you just a little bit more, one percent more, because you've got the blazer on. You look officious. I agree. You with know, you. and they'll they'll listen a little bit more. I'm like, I see that, I see that. Plus Especially you can, when you're young, and so if you're like 21, and then or whatever, and then someone sees you, adults see you, and you look like 
a little, I don't know. If, it, if you look sure. even younger, then they're just like, eh, whatever, get this guy out of uh-huh. here. I don't know, whatever. These are all theories. Well, I'm at that, the old uh, fart age now. That if, you know, if I go up with a blazer, I look even older. <laughs> blazer. You know, right? I don't want a blazer. He's got a blazer. <laughs> yeah. So then what was the, how did it progress? Because you eventually you got, there was Def Jam and all that. Yeah, I, uh, the big thing to do was Def Jam uh, and Showtime at the Apollo was sort of the second thing. You know, and I had no TV credits, but I, w- I had a reputation in that. I was building a reputation in in the black circuit, you know, that I, w- that I was funny. And I, I auditioned for Def Jam at the Peppermint Lounge in Jersey. Uh, Shout out. Several times. <laughs> and, uh, several times. Several times. And I, I fucking ripped it every time, man. And it was not easy. It was a, that was probably the hardest room to uh, do well in. And I, I feel in that article I wrote about uh, I, I, one of the auditions where I had, I mean, this place was huge. It was a huge club and it was a lot of guys. It was in Newark or East Orange, New Jersey, East, East Orange, New Jersey. And it was, it was a rough club. It was a rough crowd of people. It was not like, you know, there was no bougie people and there was just a rough crowd of dudes that, you know, a lot of hustlers in there, but it was a it was a rough. Uh, so that was sort of the testing. So they people would come there and just and I, usually like Bill Bellamy would host. So I think it was the first time I was there for uh, to audition, and the crowd was really rough. And then this dude, people would come from all over the country to audition there. So the, and a lot of these guys were not great comics. Some guys were good, but it, the second the crowd saw. If you didn't connect with that crowd immediately, you'd get booed. Yeah. So people would have these things that they would do just to get the crowd on their side. So this guy went up before me with six strippers, and <laughs> this music comes on, and they start stripping. And he's telling his jokes while they're stripping. I don't know where this guy came from. It might have been Florida. That's- I don't know. Billion dollar idea. And, <laughs> and people were like going crazy. They were going crazy, and then the, before I forget how exactly how it ended but the last stripper <laughs> she's the punchline reached down and pulled out a lighter and set her pubic hair on fire <laughs> right and the place just went nuts the place that? went nuts i had to follow that but right what were his and she jokes? just patted it out i don't remember his jokes i remember that yeah you know i remember that but it was like uh, it was just strangest audition i ever saw because it's like <laughs> yeah, you're gonna how are you gonna do that on tv even say. hbo i don't think you can show the a pussy on fire. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Can I, I've already cursed yeah, several yeah, times. Yeah, so, yeah. As long as it's on fire. I had to follow that. So I went up there with a fire extinguisher. I remember I grabbed Amazing. a fire extinguisher off the wall. I was like, <laughs> people started laughing. And then I just made fun of, of the, uh, of the, <laughs> Wait, I mean, there was knew, still smoke in the air. You knew he was going to do that. So I had no fire. idea he was going to do that. Fire. It just happened. Audible. And there was a fire extinguisher on the wall. I snatched it, it's went good. up there and then I did my set. Good and, comedy uh, is like but, you always have to have a pussy on fire joke in your arsenal. <laughs> you never know the night you're going to use it. Yeah. It was crazy, man. It was crazy. But I didn't get Def Jam. I didn't get Def Jam, and it, uh, actually, Rich Voss got it. It was between myself, Rich, and Ag uh, White. That they were guy. looking oh, for their the first rival. white guy, right? The, yeah, but there was the, a rule. Oh. There was going to be no white guys. Oh. There was a rule: no white guys. <laughs> then the last season. There was this rumor going around that there's going to be a white guy. There's going to be a white guy. And whoever the white guy is, it's going to make your career to be the white guy on Def Jam. Ideally, that's what you're thinking. Yeah. So it ended up being a a Rich. Rich had been doing it uh, much longer than me. 
And uh, so I was, you know, I was crushed and everything. But somebody had seen me from Showtime at the Apollo and was and they said, listen, uh, this Sunday, come by. We're not saying you can go on. You, we might have a slot for you. Uh, so if you'll just hang out. So I was like, yeah, I'll hang out. So that Sunday, Steve Harvey was hosting Showtime at the Apollo. At the that was Apollo with Theater. the Sandman? Was that that show? With the Sandman. Just, I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch this. It was a big show, man. And they would boo. Everybody would get booed. People would get booed. And kids the would get booed sand- off. Yeah, kids. Yeah, kids like, would get booed animals, off. Animals, dogs. And then they, they, the Sandman would come out. Didn't, yeah. he, didn't he have a cane? He had a cane. He'd do yeah. a dance. And he'd hook you with the cane and kind of push you, oh, push you, you out of there. Oh, when, yeah. you were, when the booing reached the crescendo, you'd just be like, Once it started, there was a siren. And booing, it was it was like, but I got used to that from the uptown, which was right. down the street. We right. didn't have the Sandman, but the siren and That's the booing. Strength of schedule, <laughs> yeah. So I was ready. Yeah. So I'm like, I know what I'm doing. If I can just get a shot, I'd, I had no TV credits. I'm like, if I can get a shot on there. So that Sunday, it was a really, really belligerent crowd, like just <laughs> unbelievable. First of all. The Steve Harvey gets booed off, right? So he oh comes. He comes off. He's the host. <laughs> he comes back. His toupees all like at an angle. He's sweating. He's like, hey, <laughs> these, pretty, uh, these motherfuckers are crazy, <laughs> right? These are crazy. He has so a toupee. <laughs> producer go. Yeah, he did that. Yep. The producers go out. Uh, this lady Sarah something. She got booed off. She's like, she's like, guys, we really the can't. Produ- they, the boo- they booed the producer <laughs> off. She. So then he comes back out. She's like, put this guy on. Put me on. And I was like, and she goes, do whatever. You have to do yeah. whatever you want to do to get this crowd back. Whatever you have to do. So, I'm like, I got it. So I got you were going to go out there and be like, white what? people drive a car like this. <laughs> Black people drive a car like this. Light a pussy on fire. <laughs> That's what I would have done. <laughs> I'm like, where's six strippers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need six strippers, quick. But uh, So he goes back out. Steve Harvey goes back out, and he kind of calms people down a little bit, and then he gives this whole speech. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a Martin Luther King. It's, it goes, he's like, there's no opportunities for black people. He's like, how are you going to boo other black people? You should be ashamed of yourself. People are booing him. And he's like, he's like, all right, well, we got this next dude. He's going to come up after this speech, and he brings me out. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like surprise. Right? And, uh, and people laughed. People laughed, and I did my thing, and that was my first TV credit and that got me ironically uh i uh, an agent saw me because of that and that got me into the mainstream circuit so i went so back that crowd didn't boo you no wow they did not no i, I did very well imagine came out and said surprise i came out and said surprise because he had built up this if whole there was that's a, perfect speech. That's yeah. there was a white crowd that blew all the black comics and then cheered the white comics <laughs> And the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it felt very, uh, it felt very uh, vindicating because Steve Harvey was not a fan of what I was doing. Oh, Uh, so uh, it felt vindicating to to you know go out there and do my thing and get get some love from that crowd and uh, and uh, you know I wasn't even on the schedule. I was like hanging by a thread. So that was my. You know, Did you? I found that I developed obviously in Asia. Yeah. I started in Asia and then started and every my act. I thought that I was writing, like three or four years in to being out there, which was like six years of comedy out there. Yeah, I was like, oh, all, I could tell. I was like, all my jokes are about living me as a white guy, but when the audience is mostly Asian people, uh-huh. that was my act. Yes. You know, 
And so then I consciously was like, I need to change this. Yeah. About two years before coming to New York, I'm like, I need to start writing stuff that can be for everybody that yeah. anyone could get. So I did that for the next two years. And then I got to New York and realized that even the stuff in my head that I thought was that wasn't that either. Yeah. And then I, I thought I had an hour. I had 10 minutes when I got here. <laughs> That's what always happens. <laughs> and then I yeah. had to literally. They were a either, great yeah. 10 minutes. I had to ditch yeah. or rewrite the other, go through the rest of it. Did you find transitioning to mainstream yeah, was totally. anyway similar? Totally. I had I had a lot of ins I had this joke which will make no sense now. It'll yeah. make no sense, but in at this time, this is early 90s, if I can even remember the joke. It was slang. It was a joke just based on slang. And I, I would do it in a mainstream room and it'd be nothing, you know, but it'd be like how how there's this kind of code like and, it, and how did it go go uh how these, uh, what up, G? Not be my girl sweating me like five vote talking about what's the four one one on the OPP twenty four seven and the whole nine. I just got my bill from AT and T C and P. G cut off my AC. I can't get no nine to five set for BK Mickey D's the KFC. I'm getting ready to snap. Get my nine to forty vote. He get on the LR and show motherfuckers life ain't no nine zero two one zero. And, and that, <laughs> that, that joke would destroy. That joke would destroy. But then I would do it in a mainstream room, and it it had a. There was this thing about f frustration in the crowd, that frustration that with where people were that would lead to violence. Like there was this, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like that whole thing was based on the Colin Ferguson LIR, you know, uh, uh, shooting. shooting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was like sort of an explanation of where that frustration came from. It's really hard to explain. But I could only do that. In a in a you know a, a black crowd, I couldn't do it in a, in a white crowd. I mean, there was all these like inside little things, um, and there and there were other things too. So I had to adjust a lot of stuff. I mean, my closer was Shaba Rank singing country music, and, and a lot of people did not, you know, in the mainstream room did not know who Shaba Ranks was. So yeah, I, I have no idea. You know, yeah, right? I don't know. <laughs> sounds funny to me, but I don't know you don't know who Shaba Ranks is. It's perfect. Yeah. He's like a reggae, you know, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> So it just there were certain things that I would do that I adjusted, but eventually, now I kind of do the same thing in both crowds. You, well, that's what I was going to ask. Now that you've done, because you ended up getting into storytelling, you had that uh, killer show, uh, the storyteller show. I forget what it was called. Yeah, the, we had Urban Myth and then Tall but True. The, yeah, yeah, Tall but True, as you do um, with the podcast and everything. Yes, and but you still are going. You're still doing all the. I, not so much. I don't do so. Once in a while, I'll do a, a, a black room if I know whoever's running it or whatever. But it's funny because I've got gone through this whole cycle now, where it's been so long that people don't know me. And I used to be able to go into those rooms and people would know me, but now people don't know me as much because I haven't been in that world as much. I've been really in the mainstream world. I would guess that <laughs> most people listening don't even know that that exists in comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's a really right. That there's specific rooms. It's segregated, basically. Well, because they know, like, black comics like Chappelle and people like her are, like, you know, big figures who, like, they, everyone loves that. You know, so they don't know there's, like, a diversion of audience. Like, that's not a thing. Well, it people... used to be also yeah. in, and it's not as much like that in the city now, but it's still a little bit. But there'll be, in the mainstream rooms, there'll be the black comics that work those rooms, and there's not a lot of them. There's a few of them, but there's this huge pool of black comedians that don't work in the mainstream rooms. Uh, and in the mainstream rooms, it'll be like, they'll pick, 
and this is New York City I'm talking about on the road that's a whole different a whole different uh deal um not to get too esoteric with this stuff but there it's just that there's like the same 5 10 guys you see but then if you go to you know what is called the urban rooms there's all these dudes that are making a living being comedians there's a whole other scene of comedy yeah you know no. so which begat def jam and all this other stuff i think there's a latino you know? as well yeah in like the southwest and everything oh yeah that's huge California and all yeah that. well there used to be i mean the new eurekan poets cafe in the city had the uh, angelo zada uh a bunch of guys would have these like you know, basically Puerto Rican Dominican comedy nights, which I would do those too. Those were yeah. great, man. And uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you go up to the Bronx, <laughs> Jimmy's Bronx Cafe, uh, all all these. So there's a a very specific, I think in New York a specific thing. But there's also, it's that it's a weird thing where you you know, crossing over. Uh, I don't want to pause on this too long or talk about this too long. But basically, no, go ahead and talk about it. Basically. You know, the, the, there's the, the economics, which, which is who puts asses in the seats. So on the road throughout the U.S., when you do these clubs, it really doesn't matter. They'll just sort of be like, oh, that's a black comedy night or that's a black comedian. Black people are going to come and see him or that's yeah. a Latino comedian, blah, blah, blah. In, in the city, in New York City, you, it doesn't really, it, you know, with the exception of Caroline's or maybe Gotham, it's it's you you have five or six comics on a show, so it's uh, it's it, 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 there's this kind of mix. Uh, does, is there, am I making sense with this? You're at saying all? it's more mixed in Manhattan, yes, than it is on the road. On the road, it's more polarized. It you is. Know, it's more polarized. It's like you'll have a, a headliner, whether he be white or black or Latino or Asian, and everybody else is the same. And and, the and he's the driving force, and people come and see him. Whereas here, but I mean, are the warm up back saying the oh room yeah, back? yeah. Um, it doesn't matter who the warm up yeah. yeah. acts are, right? Yeah, right, right okay. So I noticed even running when we used to run the Kung Fu Comedy Club in Shanghai, yeah. when we would have a black act as a headliner, yeah, a, a lot of black people would come out yeah. to the show. You'd get your normal audience that comes to every show, and then a bl- uh, 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 black audience in addition. Or if they were from England, then extra yeah. British people would come out or whatever. Sure. The, the one had thing, a no Latin policy. I remember. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, these, it's just the American, uh, and especially female, if you had female, a lot more females would come out. Interesting. It was this, cause if they don't know who they are, like, Oh, well, well that's this, similar to in me. New York city. You just get a mix of them. But it, what I'm saying is they, t- these clubs tend to go to the same pool of guys be they black or white. So it's it's kind of the same pool of guys, So there, especially back then. So there was like five or ten black comics working. Now there's a lot more uh, in the city. Um, so I would almost say that's the same thing on the other end with the, the Brooklyn rooms, which I don't really do at all. I do those, yeah. And uh, just because I, I don't know, I haven't been here long enough or haven't, yeah. haven't gotten out there. But uh, I mean, like the the Williamsburg Brooklyn room. You got to grow a beard. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Grow. I can't. I can't. So I can't get in. But there's people I've literally never heard of. I've never done yeah. stand up with in a year and a half of being here. Yeah. And then they get a uh, show on Comedy Central, and they're like, yeah. "It's a New York comic." I'm like, "How? I've never it's heard crazy. of them. It's How are they a New York comic?" It's crazy man. And it turns out they've been in some bookstore in Brooklyn for the past yeah. like <laughs> right. ten years, All just killing. Are, yeah. To like 
20 white chicks in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. all these things are like in tennis, there's like different surfaces and certain players like, I can only play on clay court and dominate. Yeah. And you are like Roger Federer. You're yeah, going you on do all, all the different services dominating. Yeah. You do those too. You do the white <laughs> rooms. I call those the white rooms. Yeah, I do the white <laughs> The Brooklyn rooms. Oh, those rooms. Those, those are those, Like, yeah, those hips are real. I definitely do those. I'm like the old guy in those rooms, you know? I mean, yeah. not, I'm not that old, but I mean, I they're always, it's young dudes that I'm like, you know, and they have ironic premises, and it'll be like. <laughs> well, I, you have to see like twenty. You have to see all the Oscar-nominated movies, plus yeah. all the all the um, uh, superhero movies. Right. Or that's the two things. You can <laughs> see all those, and then you can go watch a show. Team, make all the references. <laughs> you yeah. haven't seen those. You're like, I don't even know what language you're speaking. Yeah, you yeah. got to say literally a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's but yeah, it's that's a whole different. That's that alt scene. That's just. That's a whole different thing, man. I'm doing one of those tomorrow night, as a matter of fact. And uh, it, but they're fun shows for me. I love them because there'll be, you know, there'll be some club comics on there or whatever. But then there'll be the guys who are, you know, doing that kind of alt kind of comedy. Yeah. And uh, it's great for me to tell stories. You know, it's great. For, it's a great place for me to really. There's no you're not going to get booed there. Although <laughs> although you will get judged. You will get judged. Uh oh. often you often get judged. You get ooed. Yeah. You might get Wait, some you say of those. politically incorrect or something. Or yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, and I mean I didn't know the word tranny. You couldn't say that anymore. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's new. I was a, that's a newer thing, but you know, yeah. I didn't know. I was like I mean all the trainees I knew said tranny. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> the people who you have never met a tranny over there. Right. Yeah. But the people, but I said the word tranny and it was, oh, it was a rumbling. And just, <laughs> yeah. We got to get yeah. Jimmy Schubert in those oh. rooms. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so and I've got to, I've got to find, you know, the person of a, of a them or whatever it is. Of a person different... of just sexual orientation. Yeah. Whatever. A POS. <laughs> yes. Person of sex. Person of, that's a new term. Yeah, it's but uh, the, yeah, it's interesting how that it used to be just like that at colleges, and it was never like that in New York, where you would get judged, or it would be you know like someone would get offended. So young people would get offended. Young so people get way young people more get than... so offended now. Yeah, like good lord. I still find I I don't know I don't run into it much where when I, in the Manhattan places I play. Yeah, I I don't see usually it's just people coming out for a show or maybe it's tourists or whatever. They don't seem to care as much. Not as much, but they got a little. They got a little. Uh, maybe a little more than before. I don't have anything yeah. to compare it to. Used to be able to say whatever you know, <laughs> man. I mean, some of the stuff that was was horrific, but uh, <laughs> now it's like every every there's a lot of and, and it's just odd from young people. It's odd that there's there, everybody's so afraid of offending and this yeah. and being of being thought to be associated with somebody who said something that could be construed as offensive. Yeah. You know, like that you might support that and some it's crazy. So, but it's you know. I, I see where it's coming from, and I understand that. So, so did you feel like when you after starting in that scene in Uptown, and uh, did you find feel like you could just deal with anything after yeah, that? I yeah, I did. I did feel like I could really deal with anything, and and uh, 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 it was it was great. It was a great training, and the, and there, uh, then you know I there was a place called the Boston Comedy Club in the Village that was sort of my transitionary mainstream place that I worked and that was like everybody described that as animal house you know that was that was the it doesn't matter what ethnic group you are it was like you know white black Puerto Rican Irish this that whatever everybody everybody basically went there and it was wild it was a wild uh wild club and there was I mean just it was if you weren't funny 
you know, that was a litmus test in the mainstream rooms. Like if you were not okay. funny, I remember guys coming from out of town and just dying up there, just dying. Like guys with lots of TV credits and whatever. Oh, and just walking away shriveled. Who was know? around that time? Uh, that time. Okay. So Chappelle, that was sort of his home club. Uh, cause we were all managed by this guy, Barry Katz, who, uh, oh, yeah, who, yeah. uh, he, it was hey. his club. Hey, man, you're on fire, <laughs> buddy. Hey, congratulations. He's in the, uh, the comedian movie. The, the, oh, um, man. Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, man. The comedian. He's giving Orny Adams advice, yeah, man. Exactly. Yeah, man. What the fuck, buddy? <laughs> um, yeah, there was Chappelle. There was Jay Moore. There was this these guys, Red Johnny and the Round Guy, who, who did like a duo act. There was Tony Woods. There was Reggie McFadden. There were... Uh, uh, God, who really was a tell around? A tell, yeah. Tell used to come through there all the time. Uh, God, wow. I mean, everybody, everybody. It was it was really like a who's who, and uh, and you were ready. Yeah, man. I it was it was a you know cool. Kevin Brannon. Uh, oh yeah, that guy's hilarious. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it was it was really a good. That was a good scene. I enjoyed that place. It was very you know. It was rough, but I, I I liked it. Nice. Okay, well, we're going to get to the news. I know you're on a time. Uh, we might have to get you out of here pretty soon. But before okay. we do, before we get to the yeah. news, what do you want to promote? Okay, so here's what I got to promote. Yeah. I have an album of stories coming out uh, with 800-pound Gorilla Records coming out April 6th and 7th, April 6th, 7th, that weekend. Uh, it's called 10 Funny Stories. Uh, it's live at the Fat Black Pussycat which is part of the comedy cellar. Um, so I would love for, uh, it's, it's funny, man. It's, it's these stories I've been working on for like 10 years on and off. So they're really, I've seen you do a couple of those stories <laughs> over the past year or so. They're hilarious. There's a China story in there actually. Is there? There's a China okay, story good. in there That's going what, to China. You did that story on our Kung Fu comedy show maybe six months ago or three I think, or four months yeah. ago. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> God bless it's you. so, and I think Schubert's involved in it, right? Schubert is involved in it. Yeah. <laughs> Schubert is involved in it. Schubert's involved in the story. I'm, yeah. I'm buying that album. I don't know if you name him by name, but. I did not name him by name, but. <laughs> our listeners will know. Yeah. They'll know. That's a, They'll so know. Get the album. You'll know when he mentions a friend told me to go to China. China, yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so, Jimmy Schubert. <laughs> yeah, so please, everybody, check out that album. And what's uh, it called again? It's called uh, uh, li well, Live at the Fat Black: Ten Funny Stories. Nice. And uh, I'm trying to think: is there anything else to promote? That's sort of the main thing. I have a movie that just is out now on Amazon called Love Magical, and it's it's actually a comedy. I played the third lead. I played Plaxico Diamond Phillips. Uh, <laughs> Related to Lou? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. And then I have the podcast Tall But True with Ben Bailey from Cash Cab. We have that uh, out, so people can check that out. And I'm the real DC Benny on Instagram, so they can follow me or I post dates and stuff like that. And, Amazing. You know, thank you for having me on, dudes. Yeah. And uh, Thanks for know. doing it. All right. Let's get to the news. Let's get to the news. <laughs> DC Benny had to take off. He, he had, had to go. Uh, He's a busy man. Yeah, he you know he he didn't have time for all the news that's fit to print. But it's He's okay. Be back it was at a great some appearance. Point. We, we we've made we've discussed uh, him making a repeat appearance to the pod. Exactly. 
First news story of the week, Kaplan. Yes. This comes to us from the Daily Mail. Oh. Your right. people over at the Daily Mail. My people. Should your fiance ask your father for permission to propose? Outraged women slams the sexist and outdated tradition, but others claim this gesture is a sign of respect. One woman expressed her surprise the tradition was still ongoing, slamming the idea that her father had a say in her love life and even added that she would dump anyone who requested his permission for her hand in marriage. Whoa. So there's a lot to unlock here, but number one is if a guy doesn't want to, if the guy dating this woman doesn't have the balls to break up with her, but that's the, that's the way to do it. Is that's a good way ask out. Ask her dad. Yeah, that's a way out. Yeah, you don't have to that's cheat a, on her anymore. Do, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very honorable way out there. Yeah, in the old days, <laughs> you just have to cheat on him. Everybody cries. Yeah. You feel like a bad person for a while. Now all you have to do is ask their dad for the hand in marriage. Yeah, yeah. She'll dump you. Yeah. I got to say I agree with these peop- these ladies. Look at you. You go away for a few weeks. You come back a huge feminist. No, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> no, this is not. You know how, like, um... Super uh, Christians mm-hmm. and nope. Jews, yeah, kind of agree because they both sort of don't like Muslims or whatever. There's some, <laughs> there's some, not- there's some overlap <laughs> where they both agree on something. I think it's the Jews and the Hindus. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. mixing up my uh, people. Yeah. But I, this is how I am with the feminists on this issue. Right. I'm not a feminist on every issue, but on this one I am because I, who, I don't. What guy likes the idea of having to ask a dad? Right. I, I agree that you shouldn't have to ask the dad. I mean, I think you probably should. It's respectful, but oh, I would know you just said. But me being a, uh, a, a someone who d- doesn't per- like conflict or any confrontation, I wouldn't want to. Well, it's, first of all, it's only conflict. First, if you are in a situation where you think the dad might say no, which I don't think is a very, it's kind of a formality. Usually, or in my sense, if you're not sure the dad has even heard of this tradition. <laughs> Wait, so uh, yeah, did you have to do this? Yeah, I had to do this. Well, so I didn't know if I had to do this, but I was like, I better do it. Well, did you? Oh, because you couldn't ask Yeah, yeah, if you had to do it. What am I supposed there, to ask? The irony my, is she's the, yeah. Exactly. I can't ask my wife if in Chinese culture, if they also do this. So what I did was I called Ye's cousin and I asked her and I was like, hey, is this something that's done or should I do it? <laughs> and she gave me an unclear answer of if it's done, but she did say I should do it. She's like, oh yeah, that'd be great. You can do it. Uh, and you were in China at the time though, right? Yeah. I was in yeah, China. And so, but then I was concerned, as she was too, she's like, if you call Ye's dad and just say, like, I want to have dinner with you, he's not going to know. You have to give him, he needs some, like, um, uh, forewarning that right. what might be happening. I mean, in America, he'd be like, obviously, no. Exactly. And also, that dinner with your- this idea of just uh, taking him out to dinner one-on-one would never happen in normal context of life. He and yeah. I would never just hang out and go to dinner. You could have a drink. You don't have to, you could go... Uh, Watch a game, Shanghai Sharks. No, I mean, I guess we <laughs> you could. should have had him buy the truck for some ice cream. No. <laughs> anyway, so they, they would be inc- incredibly odd. So she calls him. She's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call him, explain to him what you're going to do, and then you can go do it. Yeah. I'm like, and then you can call him, and he'll know what's happening. So I'm like, okay. So she calls him first. Then she calls me back, and she goes, okay, I just talked to him. Everything's good to go. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I call him, and I'm like, hey, uh, can we go? Let's go out to dinner sometime. I want to talk to you. He goes, okay, sounds good. Sounds like he's playing ball. Right. He understands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. We'll do it. Sounds good. Okay, cool. Hang up the phone. Two minutes later, Yaya comes in from the, the bedroom, and she goes, hey, uh, are we going out to dinner with my dad this week? I'm like, what? She goes, my dad just said you just called him and said you wanted to take us out to dinner. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's a mess. I ran out. I called the cousin. And I'm like, hey, he just You just got to show up at the house. You can't even call in this situation. 
I know. Surprise. So, so then she goes, so I call, tell her, I'm like, uh, dad just, whatever, spilled the beans. Yeah. And she goes, oh my God, I told him he can't say anything. He can't tell you what's going on. It's just going to continue. So then he, she calls him back. He, he, and then he decides, ooh, quick dad thinking. He calls Ye back. He goes, oh, that wasn't Turner. I, that was someone else or like something. <laughs> he comes up with so some terrible your lie. Your ex-boyfriend wants to have to- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Maybe it wasn't that, but it was something. It was like, oh, I misunderstood. He didn't want to. There is no dinner. He was asking me. He wanted to know what to make you for dinner yeah, tonight. Something completely ridiculous. It, yeah. So she knew the whole time what was going on. So, so but then you did do it. You never, you never had to do it then. No, so then I do go do it. Uh-huh. And then uh, he shows up. But he also shows up with, like, all of his friends from the neighborhood. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so I have to do it in front of, like, all these old guys. Well, you know, the thing is, and, and but you did get it. You did it, right? You sucked it up. You, you I said, sucked it I'd up. love to marry your daughter. I yeah, sucked I'd it like up. Your... I did it, but I grew with these feminists. I wish I didn't have to. Yeah, but here's the thing. I'm going to say two things. One, uh, I don't like to change, as I've talked about before. Anything that I had to go through that, you know, was... Yeah. So, I, well, why should these younger people get out of it? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah, one. Yeah. Good point. And two, more than ever, we get these young people don't talk on the phone anymore. They text everything. Everyone's fear of conflict. They they can they all the only conflicts are on like Twitter and stuff because people are all tough you, guys you as can on hide social media. An yeah. Avatar. But in life, people are scared of conflict, right? And scared of anything. And they don't know how to they don't know how to function. This is a this is a character building thing. You're right. I, I think. So, like, I went through this uh, quickly. You know, I had the same situation where, I mean, not the same situation. I knew I had to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Randy's very old-fashioned. We didn't, I mean, you guys, it sounds like you were living together. We didn't live together. Oh, yeah, but, we lived together. Yeah, we did not live together. Very old-fashioned. And so I decided to go up to, you know, I was going to be in Boston to help my brother move into college or something with my mom. So that was, like, a good excuse. Called him up to have lunch. Oh, you had to go to a whole different city. Yeah, I went. I called him up, and he's a, he's a big listener to the podcast, so it's a great thing I did this. Yeah. <laughs> This is free podcast. <laughs> podcast, free yeah, probably. And I called him up to have lunch, and I'm sure he knew exactly why. I'm like in town, we have lunch with him, not with Randy's mom. That'd be it's kind of insulting, right? Let's have lunch with yeah. And I don't know what I don't. It's weird. You're like nervous. You don't think they're gonna say no, right? Like of there's course. no, but like you want to do it right. Like did he have questions for you? No, it was like we well we just talked the whole lunch, and literally like lunch was like over, and I was like oh I never said anything, and I was like, like hey, <laughs> It was forgot. like he took me to this like banquet. It was like a very like casual place where you like went through like you didn't order from yeah. the waitress. You order like on a cafeteria style place. It was like a deli kind of thing. Yeah, excellent. I don't remember the name. I'd give him a shout out. But uh, <laughs> good like uh, lunch place. But so it was like the meal ended too fast. I got sidetracked talking about like my cousins and I don't know. I was all phone. So they get in the car then, and I'm like, oh, and um, you did it in the car. I was like, oh, before we go anywhere, I just wanted to, you know, I and I gave my whole speech or whatever. And he's like, oh, I was wondering when you're going to get around to asking me that. <laughs> he said something like, you could have done it first to get it out of the way or something. I mean, yeah. So, you know, it all went well in the end. It was a good experience. But so I, so I, I, would, I would urge others to do it. These feminists, they don't know anything about real life. As usual. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Last news story yeah. of the week is from you. Well, yeah, I think we want an update on what's going on with the school system. Exactly. I want an update. Yeah, this is news. It's not even in the papers yet. I'm breaking news here. Breaking news on the pod. Yeah. Um, we have a situation, you know, I talked about the, the Long Island City Schools, and they've, we've got breaking news. Wait, yeah. wait, let, let's start out with what happened. So just a quick recap. If You, you can go back and listen, but if you, if you don't have time, the um, uh, people in your neighborhood are protesting 
because they're up in arms. There's not enough spots for all the kindergartners next year. So about to go to this school. About forty percent of the would be kindergartners are pro- not going to go to the local school. They were going to go to a school about two miles away in a bus. And that has uh, caused uproar. It's, the it's the idea of, of walking or taking a uh, bus or taking a subway two miles yeah. has caused uproar in Long Island. And I think City. what's really caused uproar is just this jealousy idea because people know like other people aren't going to have to do this. So it's like there's just a very like. Well, and, I say, they've, they, and these people in your neighborhood, uh, mostly very, Caucasian, have gone way over the top about how they're being discriminated I, against. I don't notice the color of people. But and yes, their <laughs> rights are being <laughs> infringed upon as humans, and they've made signs, and they're protesting. A lot of protesting. And uh, this is their cause. Some people have gun violence. Some people have Black Lives Matter. These people have their schools getting moved well, two miles my away. Ki- my kids' lives matter. And guess what? Unlike in those causes, these people get things done because they have— so what happened? <laughs> so they've moved the school closer. It's to a new location. It's about. It's still about a mile some away. I dislike that. Uh, <laughs> I want it. That's ridiculous. They, they can't change they, gun laws. They can't exa- well, get that's police what I'm to stop killing black people, but they can move a school a mile This is closer. why politicians to get off on a thing like the soccer mom thing and all that. Like Things happen. P- people vote who have kids. So You're right. They get things done. So um, they the move closer, matters. but you know what? It's still not enough for a lot of people, and I realize that like – the original, there's like these parent associations that are like our allies and all this, and they're kind of like the PLO, if you want to get into like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Oh my gosh. And then we've got other, but I'm saying that as a positive. Oh, I don't, know. I don't actually know, know what that reference If you know me as, at all, you know that's a strange analogy, but these other people are like Hamas or something. Like we've got the people who are like, nothing's good enough. They want total victory. And they are, they're, we have a city, a house divided right now. Long Island City is there's a, a civil war could be coming on Long Island City. If you go on Facebook, if there are people who are so angry and they're yelling at these people who because they're saying that they're, they don't have kids that are of the age of pre Like their kids are a little bit older. They've been involved in the community for a while. They must like they think they like sold them on the river. They negotiate some Wait, bad I'm deal. Lost. Who's who's mad at who? People, the parents who are of, of, of kids who are going to the kindergarten are not happy with this. This compromise, really, getting a school that's like a mile a mile closer. They don't. They're like? still mad. Oh, they're you're not, saying that everyone wanted the school closer, but some there was they the, wanted the even Hamas closer. The, the Hamas people want like they want to get into a school they can walk to. They don't like uh, you know but a mile. You can walk a mile. You could, but they, you know, like a year ago when we were applying to kindergartens, I remember everybody. I thought they were a little bit crazy, but they were just like constantly. Being like, are you going to go to the school? Like they were like, because they've heard like the recess, you don't get a lot of recess, and like all they had all these complaints last year of just like the quality of the school. Don't get a lot of recess. But my, well, here's my point: they, the complaints a year ago were like about the quality at least, and like was the school good enough for my kid? I see. Now no one's even asking that. I haven't heard one of these people. The, the Hamas people aren't saying like, <laughs> is like it's like Hamas doesn't care about how the economy is. It there's no like, <laughs> is the school good or anything? They're just like, I want it to be close. I want to <laughs> walk. Uh, you know, you know, the Hamas people. <laughs> and to take my analogy into really strange places, but there's an Israeli couple in my building who are in part of the Hamas. I hear them, <laughs> and it's like Hebrew, 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 seventy-eight. That's the school. Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrew. They're all right. There's like a handful of people who are crazy, and I see, and it's like Facebook ruins it. You see people in the street, you don't know they're a lunatic, and then you see these things they run on Facebook, and you're like, oh my god, like they're strange. They spend all their time like going off on people who are volunteers who are trying to just help the. Community, so out. they got it a mile closer. They got a mile I closer. I wanted to be a mile further. <laughs> That's how they should have negotiated. The, yeah. the Department of Education should have said, "You don't like this? We're going three miles away." Exactly. We're gonna put the kids at Yankee Stadium. We're yeah. Gonna, yeah. So um, that's the update for now. As of, as of as of now, I don't know if it affects my kids at all. I don't think it does. But since they're gonna be speaking Chinese soon, I'm sure they can get into any private school they want. 
uh, pretty soon. Exactly. Hello Chinese. With Hello Chinese. That's a, there's an idea, billion dollar idea. The Department of Education should give all the people who are pissed off about the school's location free. They should buy them Hello uh, Chinese premium apps yes. so that their kids can learn Chinese on the walk to school every day. And, and use the promo code LOST. <laughs> yeah. Cap, we should get it into schools. Yes. With the promo code LOST. Now, we're not trying to sell one. We get a whole school to buy it. Yeah. I, I want to create a, a Long Island City. It'll be this like anomaly where it's like the, everyone in the community speaks Mandarin. All right. That's it. Cap. What are you going to do? Yeah, speaking of schools, I just got more breaking news. Teddy's the nurse. He bumped his side. Oh, my god! So I got to get lost and go get my kid. I'm going to get, uh, with blue shirt, I'm going to get working on this cease and desist order. All right. And then I'm going to get lost. Stay tuned. Get lost.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.